This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center. Family owned and operated. A no pressure laid back atmosphere and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. I want to make sure that this guy gets credit because this is not my question. I thought it was a great question. David Fuchs, former Morning Rush producer, we were texting a little bit this week, and he asked the question, let's assume that Georgia beats Tennessee and Athens and Bama beats Georgia in the SEC title game. Three teams with just one loss in the Southeastern (laughs) Conference. Who's Who's the odd man out? Tennessee would have the only loss to Georgia on the road in Athens in a couple weeks. Alabama would have been beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Georgia's only loss would be to Alabama. Who would be that odd man out if they each, I guess Tennessee at that point would be 11-1. and one. Georgia and Alabama would be 12-1 and one because they would make the SEC championship <laughs> game. Who would be the odd man out in that scenario? Clemson. <laughs> that should be the answer. It won't be the answer. I've always maintained losing in the championship game counts for more. So, my answer today would be Georgia. Might not be fair, but that might be the answer because the recency, the the visual that's right before the committee, before they decide is, well, that team just lost. They're no good. They're terrible. They lost. Uh, Georgia would be my answer. Georgia would need Oregon to win the Pac-12 championship to help out their cause because that's their big non-conference win that they would have this season. They don't play anyone the week before. They play Georgia Tech the week before that SEC championship game. We all know Georgia Tech ain't worth a, a you-know-what. So I'm thinking about that, and I, I tend to agree with you that the 
team that loses the SEC championship, whether fair or foul. Yeah, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way it is. That's the unfortunate scenario that Georgia could face. And I don't know what I'm thinking. Maybe as we get closer to that Tennessee and Georgia game, which again is in Athens on November the 5th, the same day you take on Liberty, that will likely be the 2:30 CBS game. I don't know how I'm feeling. I think Georgia's defense is going to be able to do enough on Hooker, but Hooker put up what he did against Alabama, who's the second leading scoring defense in the Southeastern Conference. So maybe he has another world beater game like he did against the Tide. Okay, outside of the Tennessee game, is there any chance Georgia could lose another one? They play Florida in Jacksonville, of course, in the cocktail party. Any chance there? I don't think so. Mississippi State and Starkville the week following the Tennessee game? State plays Auburn the week before, maybe. Any chance? Okay, Kentucky and Lexington. I don't think Kentucky can you beat know, them. Georgia Tech's not staying where close to them. Bama, we know they're it's got to get State, then a bye. LSU and Baton Rouge, could they beat Bama? I mean, I'm just looking for opportunities to eliminate this equation think, where one of these teams can get a loss outside of that triangle you're talking about. I think Alabama has a chance to lose in Oxford. I would agree. Ole Miss, I think we'd all agree Ole Miss can beat Alabama mm-hmm. from what we've seen to this point. Austin P and Auburn are not beating Alabama in my <laughs> estimate. So, and then Tennessee, we know they played Georgia, but who's their other games? Tennessee Martin not going to do it. Kentucky at home, I don't think they can beat Tennessee. If that game was in Lexington, I might entertain a conversation. Kentucky going into Neyland, they're going to be undefeated after playing UT Martin. I, I don't see it. Uh, Georgia game, we know that could go either way. Missouri, no. South Carolina, no. Vanderbilt, no. So you look at Tennessee's schedule the rest of the way, I don't, you know, Georgia's really, to me, the only team or only game they can lose. Yeah, and I, I think with Tennessee, what we mentioned, I think you, Chuck, and a couple other people mentioned this yesterday, if they can somehow, some way, and a coach is never going to tell this publicly, but if they can get by these next three weeks or even just go with one loss, they're not going to lose to Tennessee Barton and Knoxville. But if they can get by Kentucky at home and then at least keep it competitive with Georgia and Athens, then their three remaining games, as Tommy just brought up, are Missouri, South Carolina, and what's the last one? Vanderbilt. So their schedule in the back end is not difficult at all. The barometer of this team is going to be what they can do. And I say the barometer. The barometer was what they did against Alabama. But their next step could be if they somehow, some way beat Georgia in Athens. War Eagle T's phoned in. He agrees. He thinks Bama's losing again. Who, who are they losing to, War Eagle T? They, you know, when they lost to Tennessee, I said, I said that they were going to lose to Tennessee. I said that when the, before the season started. You told me that you thought they were going to lose again. Who does Bama lose to for their for their next loss? They gonna lose to Auburn in the uh, Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> no, no, that's not, not the answer. I was come on, predicting. brother. I, I would like, entertain Ole Miss or LSU, but come on, I get out of here with that Auburn talk now. Hold on, hold up. That game right there is any that game is is unpredictable. No, and no, y'all know hey, that. No, no. The 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 Yellowwood guy will run on the field and tackle Jimmy Rain. Will tackle someone from Auburn to keep them from scoring. He will. Auburn does not want to win that game because if if Harson wins that game, if he's still around, then they'd have to retain him. Auburn, the, the Auburn powers that beat, they don't want to win that game. They 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 can't find Harson because they don't have a, a, a AD. 
Yeah, but if Harson beat, if they won the Iron Bowl, there'd be a lot of pushback on firing him at that point, right? Yes. Man, I can win that game. Come on. You can. Fu- I mean, hey, man, look. I know it's early, and I know it's cold outside, but come on. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident about that game. You're like us. You're a fan. That's what you're hoping hey, for. Or Eagle T. I'm going to Auburn next week. Outside of Tumor's Corner and the Lemonade, Fire and Smokehouse and Sky Bar, what's another place that I need to go to? And I wanted y'all to beat Alabama. <laughs> so did we. I wanted Arkansas to beat Alabama. Me too, man. Me too. Appreciate you calling in, War Eagle T. <laughs> I, that is, like I, I, I think Bama will lose another game. I, I, I'm, but it's not going to be the Iron no. Bowl. I don't think so. All right, so that's the SEC aspect of this whole argument and whole discussion. But you also have to factor in Michigan and Ohio State, which both teams are undefeated right now and will play each other the last game of the season before the, the Big, Telta, Big Ten title game. TCU's the lone undefeated Big 12 squad. They could finish 12-0 and and then win their Big 12 title. USC has that loss on the resume to Utah. I think they're out. Maybe they're not. And then Clemson, who could finish the season 12-0 and in the regular season and win the ACC championship. So does undefeated mean better? I have this argument every year with, with lots of people. Just because you're undefeated doesn't make you better. And we get too caught up in this. Well, this team should go there and lost a game. This is one of the reasons we're going to expand the playoffs because one loss SEC team and that kind of that perfect triangle you're talking about, are those three teams certainly second class to an undefeated team out of the Big Ten or, you know, out of another conference? Certainly the Pac-12. I don't care. How, I don't care if they're 15-0. and 0, They're not better than an SEC team. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Big Ten can't have two undefeated teams because Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other. That's going to be a, <laughs> that may be another game of the century type moment later on this year, and I'm hoping for it because college football is better for it. But, you know, we, we have this debate about this time every year, undefeated versus better. And to me, those don't always ma- match up and line up. Yeah, the Ohio State-Michigan game last year, highest rate of the NFL of the college football season, nearly 17 million viewers. Auburn-Alabama was right behind it at slightly under 15 million or it could slightly top 20 above. this year if they're undefeated. Yeah, I think there's a and last year it was the first time Michigan had won that game in several years. I think it's Denard Robinson that was the quarterback that last beat the the Buckeyes, but there are a lot of scenarios that college football playoff committee has to contemplate with this happening with Tennessee beating Alabama. That shifted not just a wasn't just a seismic shift in the Southeastern Conference. It was a seismic shift in college football. And you've got Ohio State and Michigan being undefeated right now. TCU, they would have to go undefeated and win the Big 12 championship to vie for their case. And then Clemson has a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. We'll have to wait and see if they can go undefeated. And I I tend to agree with you. Just because you're undefeated doesn't mean you're better. I think Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee – Ohio State probably has something to say about being in the top four, but I think those are probably your top four teams in college football to this point. C.J. Stroud is magnificent. All right, let's circle back, come home to, to the Razorbacks. One and three right now in the SEC, tied for sixth or tried for last, depending on your perspective, in the West. Let's just let's talk best-case scenario. Let's take the Schaeferian view here on it. Everything goes right. You win them all the rest of the way. That would put you, what, uh, Five and three in the league, is that right? 
Yeah. Five and three in the Correct. league. So what's best case scenario for your finish? Could could you see a scenario where there's enough losses from Ole Miss or Bama, LSU, Mississippi, could Arkansas finish tied for second in this league? Do you think that happened? Obviously, you get to play LSU, you get to play Ole Miss, you'd be part of that equation. With three losses, Ole Miss right now has not lost. They go to LSU this weekend. So for that to for that second place scenario to work, Ole Miss is the team that yeah. has to falter. You need so Bama Miss, to beat Ole Miss. Yes, Ole Miss would have to lose this weekend. They would have to lose to Bama the week before they play you. They'd have to lose to you. You would then hold the tiebreaker over them. Mississippi State right now has lost two games already. So all they have to do is lose two more. That means all they got to do is lose to Alabama, and then they lose to Ole Miss at the end of the year. So that for that scenario to work, as you just laid out, A&M, I think, is going to fall apart. And they've lost, maybe they've lost two or three. Hold on. They've lost, they've lost to Mississippi State. They've lost to Bama. They're going to lose, I think, at least one, maybe two. For that scenario to play out, as you just said, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State losses that I just mentioned would have to fall into place. And they're not too far out of the realm of possibility. LSU and Ole Miss is an underrated rivalry in this league. And LSU got a big-time win against Florida this past weekend on the road in the swamp. Now, we know that Ole Miss is a much better team than Florida, but I think LSU is going to give Ole Miss some trouble in this game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, one of them is going to knock each other back down. I get, I guess what you're rooting for in some ways is – like you said, LSU to win this weekend to make that scenario. I had someone ask me, what's the best possible scenario in the in the West? They're trying to figure out how to get back to Florida for a bowl game. And uh, that's the only path I see is you need Bama to steamroll everybody the rest of the way on their schedule. I don't know that that's going to happen, but you need old, you got to beat Ole Miss and LSU to do it, and then you're ahead of them in the pecking order. Bama beats those two as well. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's funny who becomes your friends. You know, in college football, who, who becomes oh. the you know strangers? Stranger was it? Strangers make bedfellows. Yeah, you know? Alabama still thanks you for what happened in 2015 when you beat Ole Miss. Because if not for that victory, Bama is not going to the SEC championship. Ole Miss is going to the SEC championship, and they don't win the national championship either that year. So something else to to keep an eye or keep in mind as well when it comes to this discussion. But technically. Now, I don't know how high the percentage is. You still have a chance to be the second-best team in the SEC West, but you have to beat Ole Miss and LSU for that scenario and other a bunch of other and things have to happen. they need state to keep dropping. State's right now at 2-2. Two and two. A&M's at 1-2, and two, so they're a game ahead of you in the loss column. So, yeah, you need some things to happen, but the main thing is you got to win those two home SEC games. Mm-hmm. You got you got to win them all essentially in the SEC the rest of the way. So, uh, but strange things happen this league. You mean and five and three being tied? I could even see four and four being tied for third, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you mentioned bowl scenarios. Right now, a couple people have you projected to play the Fighting Illini, coached by ooh, Brett Bielema in the Music City Bowl. You talk about an entertainment aspect. That would be the case if these two teams met in the Music City and Brett went against his old ball club. That would be. Uh, That'd be one ESPN gets in there to, to make happen. That would be a matchup you force right there. Uh, and maybe they line up. That'd be fun. That'd be saucy for sure. Hey, are you tired of constant computer issues at work? Who knows what the real problem is? You got people around the office guessing. They think they're resetting stuff. It messes up other things up. You need a pro to deal with the software, the hardware, the routers, the networking aspects at your business. But who do you call? You can't afford a 
full-time IT pro to just be there. Your business is small business like ours. So you got to call somebody. That's why we call Daryl at Hashtag Managed IT Services, 479-802-4978. Anytime we have an issue that we can't solve, you know, you unplug it, you plug it back in, and they don't fix it, now what do we do? Well, we call Daryl, 479-802-4978, hashtag technology without the headaches. Saw this story on, I think it was Golf Digest, that an Arkansas man is suing a country club after they did not pay him the truck that he was promised as a hole-in-one prize. Yeah. The man's name is from Conway, Austin Claggett. And Austin, I'm apologize if I'm mispronouncing your last name. He played in Moralton Country Club's Tournament of the Century. It was a three-man scramble. <laughs> Man, that must be a big one, the I, Tournament of the Century. I guess. In and Moralton, wow. The club promoted a 2022 Ford F-150 4x4 Super Crew mm. that was distributed by uh, Jay Hodge Ford of Moralton. They call okay. it Moral Town in the article. Okay. <laughs> and they were, apparently, Jay Hodge Ford was unable to secure the insurance in time, and they believed the Vehicle was on display for purpose or for display purposes only, and apparently the Moralton Country Club still promoted the pickup as the hole in one prize. Mm. So this guy hits a hole in one that was cleared by everyone there, and it has now backfired, I guess, on Moralton Country they, Club. They rolled the dice and it bit him in the behind. Did not pay off, and it kind of reminded me for those that remember this story. This is Mike Nail back when that one guy hit that half court shot. And it was initially not given oh, to him. This, yeah, is his name rather. Had a chance to win ten thousand dollars if he could hit a layup, a free throw, a three pointer, and a half. Well, he hit his three pointer to get the crowd buzzing, and then banked home the half quarter to cash in. But not so fast. Collier's foot was over the mid court line, so technically no cash. But then athletic director Frank Broyles and Chancellor John White stepped in and said, "Show him the money." Razorback Foundation kicked in 5,000 with the university providing the other 5Gs, leaving Mr. Collier a very happy hog fan. So I remember that night, and some of y'all will remember the name Matt Shanklin. He used to be the marketing and licensing person. He was the no man at the university. If you, if you, if, if, no man. Yeah, if, if someone had to say no, he was the guy that stepped up. And he ran these kind of deals. That's good guys down at LSU now, is the last I remember. And it's exactly the way Mike described it. His foot was across the line. And the and Bud Walton just started booing. When they waved it off and said, no no money, no, no not going to happen. And here comes Frank Broyles. And I remember, I think he was wearing his red sport coat. And he's down there. And I'm going to tell you, when he started pointing his finger, that finger seemed like it was 10 feet long. And he was right up in Shanklin's face and talking to him. And they were having a uh, spirited conversation. And then, like you say, the next thing you know, he, he got the money. So, uh but uh, it took the AD, took the, the legend to get involved. That was, a, that was a, a moment because, I mean, the crowd turned on him in a heartbeat that night. And Arkansas fans have had a string of success with half-court shots. We had Brendan Oman, who is a, a Catholic boy. He, he's the one that hit that half-court shot. I don't know, six he's or like seven. Catholic or he went to Little Rock Catholic? L- I guess to, that's the same. Maybe. I don't know. That's a, right. I, I guess the Little Rock thing, we say the Catholic boys. But, yeah, he went to Little Rock Catholic, and he – uh, he was the one that hit that half court shot. I don't. I, I should probably have researched the actual name of the guy that, as we just brought up, was. I remember. I was there that night. I remember you? that happening. Oh, I would have been irate it if was, I was that it guy. It was funny. And he was just like he put his. He did the surrender cobra and put his hand yeah. over his head. And that was back when because the deal was and and Matt Shanklin was right. The insurance company was not going to pay. This was not going to be a deal where. 
Hey, because it had to be video. There were certain requirements on these insurance type uh, setups, kind of like the hole in one deal. Well, the foot across the line disqualifies the yeah. payment. So, I mean, it. He was the, technically in the right. By he was right. He was doing his job. <laughs> Frank Broyles quickly let him know, you were wrong. <laughs> and I think in the end, they, they lost their battle with uh, the insurance company and the university paid. But the, the 10000 was nothing compared to the backlash that, uh, that people were, uh, were going to give the university the business over that deal. Well, the, according to the story on, on Golf Digest, the guy, it wasn't a provisional. It wasn't a, what's the... What do you pay for a, a mulligan? A mulligan. Oh, those, wasn't a mulligan. those never count. He, yeah. Apparently, this was straight up. Yeah. Guy teed it up and banged in the hole. And so, yeah, who's at fault here? If the if the car dealership thinks that hey, we we didn't sign up for this. It's not four thousand dollar car. Yeah, I mean, this isn't. I mean, you know, brand new vehicles have 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 not gotten cheaper. Let's just put it that way. Whose responsibility was it to get the insurance? So if the to me here I don't you know I'm not an attorney let's get Kevin Hickey on the phone if the, if the signs out there that says free truck with a hole in one somebody's got to pay up now if there was no sign out there and there was just a truck on display he may not have much of a leg yeah. to stand on but if there was stuff put in the golf cart because that, that's the thing you go to these tournaments they'll put a sheet hey this is the long drive on this hole hole in one on that you know closest to the middle of the fairway on this all all of these things. Free beer, every other hole, all those things. You know where to load up. If that was advertised as a hole-in-one opportunity for a free truck, somebody's got paid. I would, I would be irate if I was that guy. He, he's lawyered up and everything. Well, yeah. I mean, have you ever seen someone hit, hit a hole-in-one? One of my good friends has. My brother has. I, I have not seen it in person. Okay, I've seen a hole-in-one, but I, I barely missed a hole-in-one for a vehicle. We were at a first tee event, I believe it was. And I think it's first tee. It was at Hartscrabble Country Club, number eight. That's where they always have the vehicle. And we were 8B, the group in front of us, 8A. First shot of the day. And a guy hits a hole in one. Oh, he hit it first shot. First shot of the day. They were st they were group 8A. We were group 8B. We were, we're rolling up and we're just... I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see the shot actually go in the hole. But Bang. First group of the day, hole what, in one. What kind of car did he win? It was a, it was a Ford. I don't remember the model. Uh, our friends over at Randall Ford had sponsored that. So, how about that? First one of the day. What are the odds of that? Pretty high. Mm. Hey, Burton Pools and Spots. Cool thing is he was a volunteer out at First Tee. So good on him. I mean, doing good things paid off. Yeah. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. 
First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 11 o'clock on the SEC Network is when you'll play the Auburn Tigers next Saturday. Tommy and I will be with you bright and early that next Saturday at 6 a.m. No Eastern time, so I don't get to sleep in a little bit, which is... uh, Is Eastern time? No, I'm saying not Eastern time. Like, I'm thinking Athens Ah. last year was in Eastern time, so I get to sleep in for that. And I guess you had to do that. I was kind of hoping that game would be at 3 o'clock, which we agreed. It kind of thought, it kind of felt like the... Missouri, South Carolina was going to be that three o'clock SEC network game. They gave you eleven, which is good. Again, playing an away game on the road, you want to play that game at eleven. That's your wish that was granted this past week. Yeah, or this past day. The other games that weekend, CBS took the Florida Georgia game, which you would expect. Uh, the SEC network will have Missouri at South Carolina in the three o'clock slot. Number nineteen, Kentucky at number three, Tennessee on ESPN and primetime at six o'clock, and then Ole Miss, Texas A and M on the SEC Network at 6.30. So that's all next weekend on the 29th, um, the weekend Arkansas plays at Auburn. Game of the week this week, is it Mississippi State at Alabama or is it Ole Miss at LSU? I'm going to say what's happening in Baton Rouge because I think that game's going to be closer. Yeah, that's the CBS game this week at 2.30. I mean, um, Mississippi Mississippi State and Alabama's close second. I and I feel bad for Mississippi State. I, catching Bama off a loss like that's never a good recipe. I mean, going to Tuscaloosa, those two schools are the closest in proximity in um, of SEC schools. Yeah, I don't. I, I like I like Bama big right now in that ball game. Mm-hmm. I do too. I think that Baton Rouge game is going to be close. I think that Ole Miss is in for a battle on Saturday. They better prepare. Or that game so could be. We root for LSU, right? As nasty and dirty as that sounds. I'm going to say something that some of y'all probably hate, but I'm just, I, I root for LSU more than I do Ole Miss when it comes to this game. I hate Ole Miss more than I do LSU. Hey, and this is a big rivalry. We, 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 we talk about the Egg Bowl. We talk about the Iron Bowl. We talk about all these. Uh, Ole Miss, LSU. Oh, they, they hate each other. Oh, it, I mean, it's, it's the second game for both of them, but it is a meaningful game to their mm-hmm. fan bases. If I if I did not have prior plans already this weekend, I've gotten two texts from buddies down in Baton Rouge, both Arkansas transplants, and they are going to this game this weekend. This is where I'd want to be oh. this weekend on a bye on an Arkansas bye week. We're already looking ahead to next week and or next year, excuse me, and what kind of setting up. I think Penn State's going to host Michigan next year. Talking to Fuchs about going to Happy Valley mm-hmm. for that game on Arkansas's bye week, but this of any game in college football this weekend, since Arkansas's not playing. This is where I'd want to be. And if my kids get out of line between now and Saturday, I'm going to make them watch Vanderbilt at Missouri. It's a 3 o'clock game. Sit here and write me a book report on this game. You understand me? I want to know every play. And you don't get the stat book. You better write it down. (laughs) Yes, sir. I'll behave. I won't do it again, Dad. Uh, Don't make me watch Vanderbilt at Missouri. Some news from the SEC office. Hudson Clark was named co-SEC Defensive Player of the Week. 11 (laughs) tackles, interception, and a fumble recovery against BYU. Not I, enough to I wrote get out three different tweets when this came across my email that uh, that had lots of sarcasm in it, but I just deleted them all and moved on that, hey, this is a real tweet. This isn't a fake tweet. Hudson Clark, who gets just crushed here on the show by, by callers and texters, is the defensive player of the week in the league. I think with 
with HUD, it's like it's one of those things where he started his career as a walk-on. Tyler Park kid, both his mom and dad, I think both kind of like Bumper's parents, went to the U of A. And, well, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying he gets the criticism, though. Yeah, no, he he he, he definitely does. But I, I was making the point, he's not an All-American. No one's saying that. But he's also not the worst cornerback or defensive back you have on your team either. And I think well, some people want to put him in that category. The, the fact is, you just don't have anybody back there with at this point in time, five injuries, dude. two season ending. That's dude, I, I got no less than ten or twelve texts during the game about about him from people that were just good or bad. Oh, ba- bad, all bad, all bad. And I'm like, well, if you don't like him, can, can you imagine his backup? You know, and that's the thing. I mean, he do- he probably does more with less to, to borrow the phrase. And I think him in the middle of the field is better. That was a you know when they moved him to safety versus corner. I thought that improved his effectiveness on the ball game, and maybe we'll see more of that against Auburn. But, um, you know, Chuck said it yesterday. He gives you all he's got on every play. You wish you had more. You wish you had more size and speed. But if you don't like him, I mean, there's a reason he's playing and someone else isn't. That's what I keep coming back to. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in Pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning $150,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code HTL at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Nohouseadvantage.com, promo code HTL. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. What is the first play that you think of? Now, this can be a great memory or this can be a, a bad memory, bad play. Now, for me, it's easy. And it's a guy I work with. The line of scrimmage, the 31-yard line of LSU. There's the snap. Jones looking. Jones now throwing to the end zone. And it is... I was in that back corner of the end zone where Matt threw it to to Corey Birmingham. It's one of the greatest memories and one of the greatest moments of my entire life. That's the play when I think of Arkansas football... It's that right there. KJ had a brilliant play against BYU on Saturday. Had a similar one against LSU last year. What is the play you think of? First thing that pops in here, when you think of a play of Arkansas football, and it doesn't have to be good. <laughs> like I said, for some, it's the Reggie Fish play. But well, it's the first play that you th- when you think Arkansas football, first play that pops in your mind. Am I bad if I say the sternover? Is that maybe no, an awful human being? I mean, it, it, let's just be honest. There's been more of those type of plays that have broke your heart. And they always say the losses sting more and they stay with you longer. I mean, that, that if you want me to just be brutally honest, that's it. 
you know, uh, that that that's the moment because everything seemed possible till then. And uh you know, that's always a big what if with me. Was it Barry Foster who ran up the middle against Miami? I mean, some of these bigger moments, that's the problem. The Wingo Will route, the, the Foster run against Miami. All of these come in big moments and losses. I mean, you know, I think about Matt Jones running down, what was it, the four at Texas and setting up the score and a win. You know, I wish there was more of these big moments and wins that mattered the most. Consequential. You know, SEC championship wins, but you don't have those. I mean, you got to go back to the 80s to – Find that conference title. So I think there's a lot more pro- probably people thinking the way I'm, I'm thinking on that just because we've had so many big moments but games that didn't go your way. Levi says the Joe Adams punt return touchdown against Tennessee. Tyler and Greenwood agrees with them. Nick says the fourth and 25, Hunter Henry, Alex Collins play. Brad agrees with you. He says this turnover. William and Jonesboro brings up that old Miss Swatton intervention again, as does Jason in Mountain View. Jody and Harrison, two yards short of being Alabama, and they stopped him, and they also had the third and two play. Let's go to the phones. Jackson Bentonville. Where'd Jack go? Anyway, he was going to say what you were getting ready to say next. Is the, the Henry Heave was uh, was the one that probably... Call, call back, Jack. Yeah. Anyway, that, that Jack, you're right on it there. <laughs> Levi also brings up the CGO Grady, Colorado State, where he broke like three or four tackles. Ah, you know, there's probably, Levi, there's probably plenty of more plays that you can think of when it comes to that. But yeah, the Joe Adams punt return seems to be pretty popular from our textures. And again, our number is 877-377-6963. And as Tommy pointed out, it doesn't have to be a positive play. Sometimes it's the negative ones that stand out. Clint Sterno, or Clint, and I almost called it Clint Sternover. Clint's a great human being. He's a great quarterback. And he just got unlucky that one play in Knoxville. 06, Reggie, we know what happened there. It's probably a handful of others. I know Steve Atwater would love to have that interception back against Miami, and that was, what, 87, 88? Somewhere in Somewhere there. That, in that spot. Because I know you got clobbered by him one year, and then you actually played him good another year. So that's, that happens. North Texas punt return from Britton Subiaco. Yeah, that's one you definitely want to forget. Another good one from JW, DMAC going 80 against LSU only for Trinidad Holiday to return the next kickoff. That was horrible. Talk about a childhood memory that ripped my heart out. Ryan Mallett to Kobe Hamilton from Jamie May in 2010. That was a fantastic one. Nathan from Springdale. The D-Mac run against LSU where Casey Dick had that brilliant block. That was incredible as well. That's just part of it, man. Got people popping off all of a sudden. We got some good memories and some bad memories. All right, Tommy, who we got right, on first? A couple quick calls. Fayetteville Joe's in Bentonville. Go. No, I'm in Baton Rouge. But, Baton Rouge um, so uh, when I think of uh, Razorback football, I think about Mitch Mustang throwing it over three hands to Ben Cleveland to beat Alabama. Yeah, that's uh, that's hard to beat. That was uh, O. O six OT or second second OT was it second OT or yeah yep right time we beat him and I still don't I don't understand why he threw it to him uh, I don't understand how that wasn't an interception but uh, it brings tears of joy to my heart my friend yeah I think about Lee Tiffin missing, thanks Fayetteville Joe I think about missing those kicks in that same yeah. game as well Matt's in Fayetteville Matt go hey that uh, that hundred yard 
uh, interception return against Ole Miss when we shut him out, 31 to 10. Rohan Gaines, old Bo Wallace. Yeah, yeah, Rohan Gaines in the rain. Yep, old Bo Wallace had a busted ankle that day, and Rohan picked that sucker off and took it to the house. That was a beautiful play. I think it was... I think that made it either made it thirty one zero or twenty four zero to that point. Yeah, that was that was incredible. All right, that's your Red River Dodge morning rush daily question. Good one today. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. Step yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Bruce Stan now joins us, Pradco Fishing, hopping on with us. Bruce, good morning. Have you Are sobered you, up yet? I was gonna say you know, it's a good morning. We're still driving through Tennessee. I'm going to have a hard time crossing the Mississippi River because <laughs> I just want to stay here for a while. Well, feels it feels good when you win a game like that. I, I mean, it's an undescribable um, feeling. And, and, and listen, when, when Arkansas finally does what Tennessee snapped it, it, you know, 15 years, that's behind you, that collars. I mean, that's the feeling everyone on this side of the river wants to have someday. And uh, uh, congratulations well, to, to, to your team. So. We love it, and I work for a bunch of Bammers at EBSCO Industries in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. So it's uh, they, they let me know it was 15 years in a row, but it's it's, <laughs> it's fun to finally uh, get one on them. Hey, Tommy, I was 41 years old last time we beat uh, Alabama. I was I was almost a young man, so it's been a while. Telling your age there. Hey, we were asking uh, before you joined us here. When you think about Arkansas football, you've been around here a long time, seen a lot of plays. What, what's the one play that comes to your mind when, when we're talking about the Razorbacks? Well, I mean, I'm a Tennessee fan, so Sterner Neyland Stadium, 1998. That's I mean, the I, one I said. The bad memory, the worst memory ever for Arkansas fans, but for Tennessee fans, that was the gateway to the national championship. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what comes to mind. Yeah, it kind of closed and the then, gate on Arkansas's run. Arkansas was making well, a run, unexpected run, but it closed yeah, the gate on Arkansas. Arkansas could have won the national championship this, sure. that year. They 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 let one get away at Mississippi State the next week, and Arkansas had a really great team that year. Uh, but for, from an Arkansas perspective, I was underneath the goalpost at Neyland Stadium on the field when uh, Todd Wright, you know, the Barry Lunny uh, junior game, uh, Todd Wright kicked the Win a field goal, broke a long streak for Arkansas against Tennessee. So that was a that was a happy memory for Hog fans uh, uh, that game. None of us were alive to see it, but the the one play that hasn't been brought up that should have it just crossed my mind is Hatfield's punt return against Texas that sealed a, a shot of the national title 64. and ultimately put you in the Cotton yeah. Bowl to to win it. That that's probably a play while it's it's still in black and white film and none of us we've only seen it you know in replay and on film, that's probably a play that should be somewhere near the top of the list. So let me get it. No doubt. That, that goes down in uh, hog lore and, uh, you know, Ken Hatfield obviously being a great coach for the hogs, and a great ambassador for the program. That That's one that uh, probably a lot of old-timers hold to. All right, let's get into our Morning Rush SEC rankings for this week. As you can imagine, a bit of a shakeup at the top. Question is, what do you do with Alabama after giving up historical amounts of points and a loss to Tennessee? What do you do up near the top? Now the question is, has Tennessee done enough to surpass Georgia at this point? What should 1-2-3 look like, Bruce, before I get into mine? Let's, let's hear how you would rank them 1-2-3 at the top. Well, I mean, I... I or, I and the other Georgia's... thing, should, should Ole Miss be considered in the top three after Bama's performance? 
No, I, I think I think uh, I think Georgia's still number one in my mind until someone beats them. Tennessee, obviously, uh, big win uh, beating Alabama. I think Bama has to go down to three, and Tennessee uh, has to go up to number two. That's how I'd rank it. That's exactly how I've got it. Georgia one, Tennessee two, Bama three. I really consider putting Ole Miss at three and Bama at four, but I. I didn't go that far. That game will be played in a couple of weeks. They can decide it on the field. Bama's still number three at this point, but Bama with a loss. Ole Miss doesn't have a loss. Bama's schedule's been much more difficult. I gave Bama the edge based on those factors. They are the number three team this week. So Georgia won. Tennessee off the biggest win since one, biggest win since ninety eight. Biggest win since since when for for Tennessee. Oh, it's ninety eight. I mean, that's got to be the biggest win since national championship. I mean. The crazy thing about this game, it, it's, it's got to be one of the most watched regular season games in recent history. I mean, as we drove over to Tennessee to see mom and dad after my son played Saturday and just being in Tennessee and going to Waffle Houses and just going to Walmart, it was just unbelievable the amount of people. Because I'm wearing orange, everybody wanted to talk about the game, even if they weren't Tennessee fans. It's, it's crazy. But, no, it's a massive win. There isn't no corn or sugar to be found. It's all been put in the mash in Tennessee. Every bit of it. It's been turned into white lightning over there. All right, I got Ole Miss at four. I think they're the scariest team right now uh, it's, it, that we all kind of doubted, and rightfully so. Their schedule has been soft, but they're they're starting to make some cases. They had a rain-disjointed game against Auburn. They got the win. Auburn gave them a, a bit of a tussle in that game, but uh, Ole Miss wins. I moved Kentucky to five this week. LSU to six and Mississippi State to seven. This was kind of the middle where you could go some different directions. Um, LSU beat Mississippi State. State obviously lost this week. I mean, you've got some things going on between that group of teams. So Kentucky five, LSU six, State seven. Any any issues with that order? Uh, in my mind, you hit it head on. I, I'm not buying Ole Miss yet. I still think with Alabama and LSU out there, Mississippi State, there's Arkansas, there's three or four games they could lose. But, hey, they're they're undefeated. They've done what they've had to do, and uh, it's going to get tough for them now. So, uh, Kentucky, in my mind, passes the eye test better than Ole Miss. They've got an outstanding defense. I think we all saw it. They clamped down uh, Will Rogers, the Pirate. That was a little bit of a shocker, uh, but, but they clamped it down, and they figured it out. And, that actually scares me with two weeks. They got an open date before Tennessee. I think Kentucky is still, you know, a force to be reckoned with. They're still got a shot at winning nine or ten games. So I think you're dead on there. Uh, uh, LSU played great at Florida. I watched some of that game. They, they had a huge bounce back after getting destroyed by Tennessee. Showed me something. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Mississippi State deserves that drop. So I had to drop Florida. I'm not believing much in the East past Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky at this point. So I've got Mississippi State at 7, A&M at 8. Got to, can't put them ahead of State. Arkansas at 9. Can't put them ahead of A&M or State. So the Hogs come in at 9 this week after the non-con win over BYU. Then I got Florida. I disagree. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think even though Arkansas lost Texas A&M, I, I think just the way they played at BYU, I'd, I'd notch them up one. They, well, they looked maybe. really good. Yeah, I, I, I think they did. Arkansas still one and, and offensively. That was a big win. Arkansas still one and three in the league. A and M's one and two. Um, you know, A and M's three and three on the year. Arkansas's four and three. It, it, it's razor thin there at eight and nine between 
uh, a kind of like a, the NCAA tournament. It's an eight nine. It's it's eight nine matchup here. So uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, there's not a lot of difference between the two. Florida at ten after their loss. South Carolina at eleven. You could make a case there that South Carolina might deserve to be a little bit higher. And then I don't know how you debate the last three. I've got Missouri ahead of Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt ahead of Auburn. Ty thinks maybe Auburn should go ahead of Vanderbilt at this point. Listen, it's the bottom three. Um, there are, I think we all agree who should be in the bottom three. Missouri, Vanderbilt, Auburn's the order I have them in. Isn't it more fun to have Auburn at the bottom? Just well, keep them there. You can make and, the case, you know, you know Missouri, Missouri's two and four. Yeah. They're 0 and three in the league. Vanderbilt's 0 and three in the league. Auburn has won a conference game. You want to look at it from that standpoint. And they've kept the gloves up the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Auburn probably is better than 14th. If they played Missouri or Vanderbilt, you'd probably, you know, you'd, you'd probably pick Auburn in those games. So, But, you know, they, I think they already played uh, Missouri. That, that's the game they won yeah, by kicking. Memphis missed that kick. But the eye test, I, I still think Missouri's playing better defense than Auburn is. and. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with Missouri being ranked ahead. It's just fun having Vanderbilt not rank last. So I, even though they're getting destroyed playing good teams, I, I keep it that way. Yeah, Auburn's I just want to hear if Ty disagrees with anything. Uh, Auburn's given up 198 points, but also could look at Vanderbilt, who's 3-4 and four in the year. They've given up 276 points. But listen, we're... We're arguing about which order the last three teams are going. We're missing the point. <laughs> I, Bruce, I would say I disagree with you with Kentucky being over Ole Miss. They played already. Ole Miss beat them. I know it was a gross game. Kentucky gave it away at that point, but he still won that game. So I would take Ole Miss. And I think I mean, watching that offense, I, I want to see what they do in Baton Rouge. We saw Tennessee. I felt confident Tennessee was going to beat Alabama after, after they destroyed LSU. If Ole Miss goes into Baton Rouge this weekend and has a similar type of performance against Tennessee, I think Ole Miss is for real, and Alabama should be worried about that game coming up in Oxford. Well, if I'm if I'm Kiffin, then I'm glad I'm not. But if I'm Lane Kiffin, I would definitely be figuring out how I can throw over the top. Uh, you know, whoever your track guy is, you got to find a way to get him over the top because there's a problem there with Alabama's deep coverage. I don't know if it's a safety corner communication issue or just a talent issue, but that that was a major problem that got exposed if if, uh, if you're a offensive coordinator, I think. Well, Jalen Hyatt's one of the best wide receivers in the country. He put his name in the Blitnikoff on Saturday, and I think Mingo is the kid from Ole Miss that's outstanding. I don't know if he's the same category as Hyatt, but man, you talk about Tennessee legends. Hyatt and Hooker just inserted themselves in that category after their performance in Neyland Stadium. Yeah, they'll be they'll be talked about forever, uh, you know. And yeah, you know, the the great thing is you got a chance. You know, you're you're undefeated, and you got some big games in front of you. And you know, you can't you can't take care of those unless you take care of the ones you already played. So they got a chance. So let's talk about that. We got two or three minutes left here before uh, before time runs out. Alabama. I, I per, some of some of the stations here on the ESPN Arkansas network, uh, Kerry Feinbaum show at night. And I just I purposefully tuned in last night just to hear the calls, to hear the laughs, <laughs> to hear the the belly laughs at Alabama. But I was surprised at the number of of Alabama people in the thirty or forty five minutes I listened. You know, think Saban's lost it. That the program's made a major shift. That uh, that, that that you're watching. Uh, the the end here that it's it's comparing it to Bear Bryant's end. Are are we seeing 
Nick Saban lose a grip on elite status with his program? Is this unfolding before our very eyes this year? Is, it, is this an overreaction, the recency of a loss? I, I think it's an overreaction. I mean, I, I think Tennessee's caught lightning in a bottle with Heupel and Hooker. Uh, they weren't at Neyland Stadium two years ago, and you know you got fortunate transfer portal. You got fortunate. You got a good coach that plays the fastest offense in the nation, and you know it takes some adjustment. And even though Alabama saw it last year, that Tennessee deal just got a little bigger, faster, stronger after a year, and it, you know they beat them. If Alabama loses another game or two, well, maybe you can say it, but. They've lost one game by three points. I think I think people are overreacting. Uh, the schedule they've had without an open date, uh, I think it's very difficult. And uh, it is funny to listen to Alabama fans. I listen to Feinbaum, too, all the people wanting to fight Feinbaum and kick <laughs> him around. It just, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. that, those people, it's a, it's a well-known fact in the state of Alabama, when they lose a home football game, absenteeism is very high that Monday. It's a, it's a fact. I mean, I work for an Alabama company. They cite they it all the time. So I was just glad yesterday there was a lot of absenteeism in the state of Alabama. Well, let's just face it, though. When when you level the playing field and now everybody can pay the players and not just Alabama, it's made it's made life more difficult for, for the Crimson Tide. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I, my wife even has said it's interesting they're running backs from Georgia Tech. You know, that, that's not a homegrown Alabama player. You look, Henry Toe Toe, one of their better linebackers, Tennessee transfer. You know, they're getting players through the portal like everybody else, which kind of shows there there's, might be some deficiencies uh, in the recruiting, and I'm sure they're looking at the portal for cornerbacks and yeah. safeties right now. See, and I, I maintain it's harder for Bama in the portal because their ceiling to get better is much shallower than a program like Arkansas, who can go get a Drew Sanders and vastly improve. It's harder for Bama to improve because they recruit so well to begin with. The portal will only do them marginally good, but you point out two key players with Gibbs and Toa Toa that, that, you know, that are difference makers, but Arkansas and, and programs like Tennessee, there's just more room for improvement in the, in the portal because Bama and Georgia and Ohio State and those programs already recruit in the top five every year nationally. Yeah, well, and, and this this might be a bigger telltale. Milrow is not Jalen Hurts or Tua Tagovailoa or their Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, it, this, this is this this kid is not quite at the elite level that we've been seeing from Alabama quarterbacks. I mean, he's a, a little more of a one dimensional player. I mean, he's a good one dimensional yeah. player, but he's not going to come off the bench and light it up like his predecessors have. To me. He doesn't pass the eye test after a few games, maybe like the other ones did. Well, to be, to be fair, the game that Mac Jones was inserted two years, I guess that would have been three years ago, he looked awful against Auburn. So I think we got to hold judgment until we see Milrow into a full season because Mac looked horrible on the road in Jordan-Air Stadium. And I, I think that a lot of people were quick to say, well, the quarterback system there is done. And then when we, we saw what he did a year later. If I'm if I'm the rest of the SEC, I'd rather see Milrow than Bryce Johnson. I promise you, a hundred percent. Get rid of Bryce Young. I you know I just look. There's some things you know. Saban absolutely lost his mind, and, and I thought lost control of himself on the sideline after that that punt the guy touched. I mean, just just watching the the highlight of that. 
Uh, I didn't get to see the whole game because Arkansas was playing at the same time. But it, that was, I don't say totally out of character for him, but that seemed to go next level. Then the penalties for this team are just totally out of Nick Saban characteristic for his team. What'd you say? They're 131st? Worst last, in the country. Second last, last in yards. I mean, just unbelievable, um, you know, how, how Saban's team is not as disciplined in that area, Bruce. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more like the Oakland Raiders. You're not, you just don't expect national championship programs to be that undisciplined, that many penalties. It's, it's not a good sign if you're an Alabama fan. I mean, they're still going to win. In 11 games, but it's not the sign of excellence you're used to seeing. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Tom Murphy now joins us. Tom, good morning and a good feeling on a on a Tuesday after your Atlanta Falcons beat the Niners over the weekend. <laughs> well, uh, it was nice to cover a Razorback win out in Provo and have a good time while we were doing it. And then uh, to get home and put on my Sirius XM and hear us uh, handling the 49ers. So we were a home dog by four-something points. That was nice. The Falcons are the only team in the NFL that have covered every week of the season so far. So that means they're performing above uh, the average uh, fans' expectations, and, and they've, they've performed above mine. We were, we were predicted to be the last team in the NFL to win a game, and maybe with a 2-15 and 15 record, and we're already 3-3. Three and three. So, And, you know, we had great chances to win the games we lost, too. Tom, we saw the return of K.J. Jefferson out in Provo. He led the offense on eight consecutive scoring drives. Maybe the most impressive was the one they didn't score on at the end where they went over <laughs> ten minutes of offense. But nonetheless, the offense was was the story on a road trip out west. It sure was when you think about it. You know, fumble lost on the first possession, and they were moving the ball. Uh, second possession, they started at the one and got it out to, I can't remember, somewhere around the 20 or something. And uh, we're going, and then three consecutive incomplete passes. Then 
they went on this binge. And, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, they converted so many third downs, 12 out of 15. Uh, KJ just seemed to be in a groove, a uh, variety of receivers. You know, Matt Lander, I, I liked the, the stuff they did near the goal line. Uh, it looks to me like they put in a, uh, you know, you remember how they were stuffed in the run against Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So they had some goal-to-go type pass plays in this game. And, and the line afforded KJ time to look. And it uh, looked like, me to me, BYU was in zone a lot down there. And Matt Landers found little holes in the zone. And they, they, they were just on fire. And I know BYU is not going to be considered one of the top defensive teams in the country. They've had their injuries, too. But I think um, it was a good tonic for, for the Razorbacks heading into these Final Five. Well, now that you had a few days to reflect on it, and you think about the game plan this team used, I thought it was a really – you know, nice evolution, if you will, or just opening up your mind a little bit. Maybe and I'm probably overstating that with what Kendall Bryles did. I love the way the passing game worked, and it kind of led the offense. And one thing you saw consistently, and we noted throughout the game, they kind of had a check down guy, a, a safety valve, always kind of out in the flat. They went just a few times there, but I, I like the kind of the involvement, if you will, of, of the passing game and what we saw with their game plan in Provo. No question. You could tell they scouted BYU up really well, and it looked like they preferred maybe some of the downfield stuff. But every time I looked, A.J. Green or, mm-hmm. or uh, Rocket right. or somebody would be out in the flats open. And there was a few times you're like, ah, he's open. Then K.J. threw deeper. And that was probably just the second drive only. But otherwise, that was open all day. Uh, the little wheel to Rashad Dubinion for a touchdown right before half, you know, that was a beautiful thing. I mean, when you think about it, the game turned um, on the fourth down when they snapped the ball and they weren't supposed to. Jaron Hall didn't handle it. Latavius Brini got in there and recovered it. Um, and that led to a touchdown. And then the Hudson Clark pick and then driving down and getting the touchdown with 40 seconds left. And then BYU mangled the time um, when they got the ball back with 40 seconds left. So that part of the game, when it went from 21 to 17 to 31 to 21, was when the game was won. And I have to credit the defense, too. BYU was tearing them up, and then they lost uh, Malik Chavis and had to shuffle guys around even more. Kiwan Parker comes in and gets a lot more PT, and it turns out Kiwan played pretty well. So even though this has been a tough, tough go of it, you've got guys like <clears throat> Trent Gordon and uh, Kiwan Parker and some other guys who had not been playing who are now getting valuable experience that, that provides, you know, further depth. And the more you play, the, the more confident you're going to be. And uh, the Ra- Razorback secondary needed that. Kiwan's a redshirt freshman, and he's a guy that hadn't, as you just said, not played to that not a lot to that point. Tom, how important was it to get that experience? And with five games remaining and the timetables of Slusher and the two Johnsons still kind of up in the air? Right. Well, it was hugely important. And Sam Pittman sounded super confident that when, when they head to Auburn in th- two weeks, that those that Slusher and the two Johnsons could be back. And, and, and if that's the case, I mean, think about where you are with the depth. And honestly, when you play cornerback, and at the end of the game, you know, your name hasn't been brought up very much, then you played pretty doggone well. I mean, I'm sure Kewan Parker, you know, gave up this or that, but he didn't give up something over his head and you know, he, he just made plays. I mean, like, and Trent Gordon, from the first time he came in, I, um, I know Mississippi State hit a pass over his head. I think it was the Caleb Ducking touchdown. 
um, he's played better too. And, and so, you know, everybody had to band together back there. I've never seen a position group more disturbed uh, by injuries than this one. And starting with Jalen Catalan, their leader and all that. And I mean, Simeon Blair is a good kid. I, I know he's a great leader, calls out plays, but you know, he had a PI and, mm. um, and I think gave up a touchdown in that game too. So, uh, they, you know, they're, they're hanging in there. And w- when you're in the situation Arkansas is in, hanging in there is, is what you have to do. Um, and I, I reflect back on this. If yeah. they had just won the A&M game, which they should have, they'd be five and two, you know, they'd be in a much better position. Uh, but, you know, they're going to come, they're going to go down to Auburn and, and give it a run. That's going to be a tough game. It doesn't matter what happens between now and that game. It's going to be a tough game to go in. So let's go a little deeper in the secondary and in, in this conversation. Hudson Clark ends up moving to safety in the middle of the field in this game after those injuries. Not a spot you really ever envisioned him in because you thought Catalan would, would be there forever and the injuries have taken him away. He seemed to be a f- more effective there than corner, in my estimate. What was your evaluation of that? And had maybe you found the right fit moving forward, considering the injuries for Clark, who was named Defensive Player of the Week? Yeah, he had a really good game, and you know he started at the middle safety. If I'm remembering all this right, started safety. Chavis goes down. He he goes to corner for the rest of that series. And then uh, Kiwan Parker comes in and plays the rest of the game, and Clark's back at safety. Um, you know, he just was in the middle of everything. He read the deep play late in the, in the first half and picked that one. Um, they were in a zone, and, and they did some stuff and moved the zone over one, and that put him on the left side, and he made the play. Or, well, the offense is the right side. And it was a huge play in that game. Um, you know, the teams that can pound the ball, the way Mississippi State did, and that was his gap on the Dylan Johnson 30-yard touchdown run. And, you know, Tank Bigsby and some guys as we go down the line, like the Ole Miss guys, uh, are going to be able to pound it a little more. So you just hope that you get your depth back. And um, Hudson Clark's a valuable guy. And, and Sam Pittman pointed this out about him. Look, uh, he said, hey, number seven, boy, he can real run, really run it. Talking about Joe Quavius Marks. Uh, the, the point being that you can go a long way with kids who um, who are there for the team, who are maybe playing out of position, a little light for their spot. And I, I don't know what the future will hold for him going forward. I would think that, that Chavis would be able to come back for the Auburn game, but, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll find out next week how that goes. I think an under par, underrated part of the injury aspect is the health, the bumper pull, which Coach Pittman alluded to after the Mississippi State game. We're talking about all these defensive backs getting healthy. Tom, how important is it for your, your guy up the middle, your captain, to kind of have a weekend off? Yeah, it'll be good for bumper. I'm here. He is a fifth-year guy. He's got a lot of snaps under his belt, obviously a lot of tackles under his belt. You know, I don't know what it is with his hip, but, you know, if, if your hip's aching, it's hard to pivot and run hard and everything. So any uh, any amount of rest he can get uh, is super valuable as he goes down the stretch in his career. Um, he and Sanders, Drew Sanders, have played a lot of snaps. Um, but I'll tell you, the more um, Pooh Paul gets on the field, the more you see some plays being made. You know, he had some in that game as well. So, um, yep, uh, a healthy bumper pull down the stretch. and. And Arkansas needs to get a, a few more wins and, and go to the best bowl they can. Yeah, you think about what Arkansas linebacker core is going to look like next year. Bumper's going to be gone. Drew Sanders, unless something wild happens, he's going to be gone. He's the number one projected inside linebacker by Mel Kiper Jr. 
I really enjoyed what I've seen from Chris Paul this year. What kind of jump do you want him to make in these last five games and maybe some of the struck stuff that he struggled with, Tom? Um, well, I, I've not broken down the film to tell you uh, Poo Paul struggles and whatever. I, 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 but he's a physical guy. Um, he's a team leader. Like, when you hear him talk, it's it's more like, you know, he's talking about the whole picture. He's talking about bringing other guys up. And, and so he, he speaks like a team leader. So I think what you've got is, a guy who's like on track to be a defensive captain, um, things like that, leader of the defense. I think it helps his dad's uh-huh. a coach too, right? I mean, yeah, you have that coaching talk, that lineage, and that DNA <laughs> that seems to come off him too. All very valuable, yes. And uh, I saw his dad outside the stadium in Provo walking up. Just a beautiful, magnificent setting. The, the temperature was right. It was a gorgeous day. That was that was a super good day for football and. For the Razorbacks' sake, it, it made it better. They came away with a win. But, yeah, Poopal, Jordan Crook, there's some guys coming up. I mean, Jackson Woodard, whenever he got on the field last year, the guy made plays. I mean, maybe he's not as fast as some other guys. I, I don't know the ins and outs of why, why he hasn't played a lot at linebacker this year, but you, you've seen him make plays. And then you got the Caden Henleys and some other guys coming up through the ranks who, you know, they seem to have a little bit more depth. I mean, it, it's similar to me in the – the defensive backfield where they went in the season, you're like, well, there's a, there's a decent amount of depth here. And in the backfield, it got tested immediately and continues to be tested. And even though they're giving up a bunch of yardage, um, they, they just switched back to their double cloud last week after they got torn up early and got off the field a few times. And that was in that game, just getting off the field a few times, Dwight McLaughlin strip, um, of uh, Puka Nakua, who, by the way, what a what a beautiful player Puka Nakua is. But um, um, the strip Dwight McLaughlin had and the Clark recovery, just getting off the field a few times was super big for them. I thought we got a little more insight into Sam Pittman and the way he manages players and, and sets expectations. The benching of Rocket Sanders, which we were all wondering, what is he hurt? What's going on? Does he have his helmet? He was just standing on the sideline thinking about that, that fumble, getting a little time to kind of figure out how to help get your hands to stay on the ball. And I thought we got a little insight after the game into exactly how Sam Pittman does business. It's not surprising, Tom, that a player that fumbles gets to stand for a while. But we're talking about one of your star players. You're one of your premier players. He handled it just uh, the way a lot of old school coaches would do that. Yeah, and, you know, Rocket was motivated by it, and he understands. I mean, he had he had the fumble. And, you know, his he twisted his ankle on that play, too. And, and I heard TV uh, – kind of referencing what you just said, like, you know, where is he and all that? Well, the truth of it is, you know, they they trust A.J. Green and Rashad DeBinion and Dominic Johnson very well, and it, there could come a time. I mean, truly, Rocket Sanders is a excellent lead back. You know, he's on, on pace to rush for – it was more than 1,200 yards going into last week and probably higher now. But um, – they could, you know, A.J. Green or, or Dubinian could probably be doing quite the same business. And honestly, they both had some really flash plays in that game, the Dubinian touchdown. And I know he had another really good run that he broke some tackles on, too. But I, I, do, I do take your point that uh, Rocket came back motivated. He's a, he's a very, uh, like, respectful, team-oriented kid. Um, the personal numbers are, are good for him, you know. Um, but uh, I, I do believe that kind of sent a message that if you can do this to your ace lead back guy, 
then then that's for anybody on the team, you know? The reality is if he doesn't have to to, to watch for a while, he probably busts 200 yards in the game. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a reality. And at one point during the game, I was seated on one side of Andrew Hutchinson. You were on the other. He leaned over and said, hey, um, Rocket's on the same pace for this season that Darren McFadden was on in his. So, I mean, so, I mean, we're not talking about he's just having a good run of a few weeks, Tom. We're talking about historical type numbers that are possible. I mean, you still got LSU and Ole Miss down the road, but um, you got to play Auburn first. But, I mean, that's the kind of season he's having. When we start talking about the, 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 the original number five and you're on pace for those kind of numbers with this kind of schedule, pretty noteworthy. It's very noteworthy. And, yeah, there have been some tough defenses along the way through all this, and he's gotten – 100-plus in all but two games so far. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, however, Darren McFadden, 2007, he still had the South Carolina game left, which, as we all know, wound up with 321. And I don't see the South Carolina defense the rest of the way for Rocket. So, but still, let's don't take anything away from Rocket Sanders. Um, if, he, if he stays a pace, it's going to be 1,300-plus, I suppose. You know, so in some ways, it was like being in the twilight zone last week in Provo. I mean, fans were so nice, so welcoming. I mean, I had someone walk up to me as I was kind of standing in line around the, the fans waiting on the team to come in to get some photos of that for our social media. And some guy walked up and said, hey, just thank you for being here. Glad y'all traveled out. I mean, that doesn't happen anywhere <laughs> That's else. That's not going to happen at all. They Auburn handed out ice cream in the stands to the fans. I mean, it was, Tom, it was like, I mean, while it was beautiful in the mountains, the Wasatch Mountains were awesome to look at. It was like being in the twilight zone compared to the rest of the SEC. Yeah, I, I, I made that comment to several of the BYU staffers. Like, no, nah, you're not used to this in the SEC. And then there, there's some places where you go where they're genuinely happy people that you've met over the years. Uh, but this was fans and everything. And it, was, it did feel like a throwback to, like, 1950s America or something like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was really cool to see. It makes you feel good inside and. For the Razorbacks, they get a win, and it makes them feel even better inside. Now, a guy did cut me off in traffic trying to get back over to I-15. That rat. That's a whole other thing. They were, really nice, they were really nice until they lost and the game was over. But uh, <laughs> Tom, it was good to uh, see you in Provo, and uh, we'll catch you up Thursday. Talk about bye week plans. Outstanding. Let's do it. See ya. All right, Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. It was weird out there. I mean, just... I, it's the I, strangest thing I, ever. I felt the same. I told you this. I felt the same way about Starkville. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.